Welcome to the L Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Kafko. This podcast is about L's, letting go what doesn't serve you, learning who we are and what we want out of life, leveling up to live it to the fullest, and most importantly, loving ourselves in the process. So let's figure out this thing called life together. Here we go. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Happy Thursday. Um, I have someone really special I haven't had on the show before, and that is my brother-in-law, my favorite brother-in-law, uh, Nick Kafko. So Nick, if you want to say hi. Hey, thanks for having me on, Liz. Nick is someone I really look up to in in many as- aspects, but like career-wise, he's someone that has always been able to kind of find a position that works for him. And when it doesn't work for him anymore, he's like, all right, I'm off. I'm going to go find another position. And so I've never seen you settle. And that's something I really admire about you. Um, and so I wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit about what your process is, how you find jobs and kind of see if there's any like tidbits of knowledge that you would share for anyone else that's kind of thinking about leaving their job, just got fired and is looking for a new job. So to start off, can you just tell us a little bit about your professional background? So what you know, degrees or certificates do you have? Yeah, sure. So I work in the IT field and generally in software development. So working software projects, but I'm not myself a software developer. I'm uh, one of the other cogs of the machine, which gets to a little bit more. I started college, uh, I actually went to Penn State for computer science to be a developer. And I discovered very quickly that I didn't, that was not for me, it was not my calling, which was like, you know, right from the get-go in the first year of college, just saying like, oh no, I'm really, I'm screwing up here. I don't know where to go. You know, so that was yeah. like the first time of like, you know, be like, I need to make a change because this just isn't, isn't right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of explored around around the university. And luckily being at Penn State where there's so many um, various degrees that you can go towards, um, I found the College of Information Science and Technology, which is sort of uh, not even related to the computer science college, um, but it, it focuses on all the other aspects of software and technology. So your okay. um, information security and project management and... Um, and business analysis, which is technically what my role is. I've been a business analyst for 14 years now that I've been working professionally. And then that 14 years, I have changed changed companies and roles seven times. So averaging about two years per job. And that's what I figured whenever you asked me to do a podcast about changing jobs. I was like, well, I do change jobs a lot. And I feel like that's a it's an old-fashioned preconception that that's dangerous or that it will hurt you at all um, because it's not being flaky and like you know jump and ship at the first sign of a danger it's knowing your worth and lo- always looking for a better opportunity because in, in those seven different changes each one has come with new opportunity work, working the same role in a different industry and salary increase as well so that's always been important to me to Put, put food on the table, you know? Yeah. And you're a great cook. So we definitely need that food on the table. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I've, I've always heard, right? Like, oh, how long 
people look at your resume and see how long you've been in a position. And if you have a lot of job changes, like that's supposed to be a bad thing. Cause like you said, either you're flaky or you get fired. And so they'll probably ask like, Oh, why did, why do you change jobs so much? But I think it's also a generational thing. Like my, my parents, it was always about you stay at a job, you know, you're loyal to your job and you stay as long as you can, but jobs are not loyal to us anymore. Right. They don't, compensate you for your worth they don't give you promotions even if you apply for promotions they don't give them to you so or they outsource a lot of work now and uh -huh. so I definitely agree that you need to give yourself promotions like that's so important and on in the last few years I've got to sit on the other side of the table of, of being on the hiring side so going through resumes and do the performing interviews and we would have candidates come in that had a, a few a few spots where they were only at a company for a year or a year and a half or two years. And you ask them why, and they would generally say, because the the opportunity they moved on to was either offering them more money or had a, was a better long-term opportunity towards advancing their career, mm -hmm. um, or, or they're working in a, a con contractor kind of role where it, it, yeah. they started the job knowing it was going to be temporary. So you come into the job to solve a problem and the ideal world for a contractor is to kind of work yourself out of a job. That means you did your job right. That's why yeah. they hired you in the first place. And I'll tell you what, from that side of the table, you can't fault somebody. You say, okay, this person sounds like that shows me that they can pop in and very quickly learn the job and learn the industry where they are um, very quickly become productive. You know, they're yeah. not going to take six months to a year to figure stuff out because they have to be, showing results in the first couple of weeks or months. So yeah, very different mentality now than it was 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And so are the prices of eggs. So you got to <laughs> do what you got to do. So you've left, you've changed jobs about seven times. How did you know when it was time to leave? Because I think some people struggle with, well, we're going through a transition phase or it'll be better with this new CEO or, or you know, or this or that or that. And then you blink and it's been five years and you've just been miserable for five years. So like, how do you know when it's time? So really, the, I feel like the best way to know it's time is when you have something better that you can hop into. And that's, I know like probably something else you're going to ask is like, when you're changing jobs, do you just leave a bad situation or do you like? Tr tr yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I thought that they were, they were related because yeah. ideally, um, whether you like a job or not, no matter how comfortable you are, you should really technically always be on the job hunt because you never know when you could love your job right now and be getting paid great and great benefits and everything else. And there could be a better opportunity knocking right there that you're just ignoring. Now, it's easy to, you know, that's that's a lot of work and it's not realistic to always be on a job hunt. But I think that like, so when do you actually start looking for another job? So when do you say, this isn't for me, I should look for something else? So I would say when when you don't see any forward advancement opportunity as far as building yourself anymore, you're not learning anymore, um, you're just doing the same task in and out, like you're basically a machine that like, sure, you know how this works, but you could train somebody else how this works in two weeks and they could replace you easily, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, or if it's a horrible toxic work environment or management doesn't know what they're doing and you're just so frustrated that it causes you anxiety and depression outside of work hours. So you can't shut off 
that's really the big one for me that I know it's time to time to go whenever it's affecting my personal life. And that, I think that's even harder nowadays because a lot of us work remotely, right? We work from home. So I'm very lucky that I have an office so I can close the door and like, you know, quote unquote, leave work. But for people who can't do that, like now your home is this toxic environment that you can't leave. And it's hard to separate those two things. Oh, yeah. And working in IT, I see a lot of folks that they don't, they, they work 24-7. They allow, allow themselves to be on call. They, yes. they install Microsoft Teams and Slack on their phone. So they if somebody messages at 8 p.m., they'll respond to it. They're not, you know, they're watching a movie with their family, but they say like, oh, it's no skin off my back. But like, that's got a way on you because you have no separation. You're always available and it's just unnecessary and it's not efficient and, and it, it it breaks you down mentally. I don't care what you say. And you're not getting paid more for it. Like, I think no. that's something I tell people a lot is don't go above and beyond if they're not going to pay you for going above and beyond, which is hard in salaried positions, but. Yeah, well, I don't... something that you mentioned before is that like every dangling carrot in front of your face and like, oh, if you keep doing this, then this promotion is right around the corner or mm -hmm. this or this raise is right around the corner or this change of position or this new project. And sometimes that's true, but, you know, kind of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. Yeah. So if, if it goes on for six months, 12 months, and then a year mm -hmm. and a half, you're like, and they were like, oh, just keep trucking. It was a bad year. You know, we'll we'll try again next year. Like, that's not your problem. That's company problem. And yeah, if they're doing that, then they're not, you're never going to get what you're what, what you're being promised. Yeah, that's true. So my next question is what your process is like. So I've heard, you know, don't quit your job until you have another one lined up. I've heard, I personally have quit jobs without having a backup plan. And I was very lucky that it only took a month until I found another job, but that could have not worked out as well. So what's your process on finding a new one when you've decided like, okay, it's time for me to leave? Yeah, well, I've actually done what you with that before. I've left without anything else, but, but I did build up a safety net of just straight cash. And I sort of like waited until it was, we're here in Pennsylvania with the seasons. I waited until it was around springtime when the weather was turning around. I said, well, if I'm going to take four months off and do nothing, I'm not going to do it in the winter. I'm going to do it over the summer and I'm going to go yeah. golfing. I'm going to budget and eat rice and, you know, live cheap <laughs> yeah. until I find something else. But like, at least I, I have this nest yeah. egg in my savings account that I know I can float for three months. And then I have to start sweating when like October rolls around, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. I I did kind of talk with Jamie like, okay, I really want to quit this job because it's very toxic. It's killing me. Can we financially do this? And I think at the time we were like, yes, we'll have to eat ramen if we wait too long, but it's doable. And so I'm, I'm very thankful we had that option. What What's your actual process of like looking for jobs? Though? Like, Do you have a preference on purely word of mouth, referrals, you know, networking, blah, blah, blah? So my, I go through two, two avenues. One is old coworkers um, who I build rapport with and still keep in touch with, or even if I don't keep in touch with them, but like, but we, we left with the mutual respect of each other, knowing that we respected each other's work ethic and, and skills. And I'll hit them up after, out of the blue after a couple of years and be like, Hey, I haven't seen you for a while, but like, I'm looking for something else. Do you have any ideas? And that's come to fruition before and, you know, found ways in that way 
Um, the more common way is like really go through the online um, job boards. And I work as a contractor now. Um, so like it's a little it's a lot more like a hired gun situation. But it's for full time, there's definitely a lot of full time jobs too, just not quite as many. But that's really you tailor your resume to really tailor it to what they're looking for, not like what you think is good, but yeah, putting it out for what what these recruiters because you're not even your resume isn't even going to the hiring managers. It's being scanned by recruiters that are going to find it, and then they're going to connect the dots to put you into these roles for you know that that you would fit fit into and um that's definitely been fruitful for me going that direction so having multiple resumes for multiple jobs that you're applying to not just one that you kind of shoot it out and hope that something bites essentially yeah yeah i'll i'll, I'll change my resume around for different positions i have i think three different versions of resumes for different roles Okay. So, like in the, in the soft software industry, like I have a B, business analyst resume, a project manager resume, and a product owner resume, which those are three similar rules, but they're distinct roles in, on a project. And I have the ability and the you know experience to fill any of them, but I don't want to be skipped over because I because they got a resume that says I want to be a business analyst, but they're looking for a project manager. Mm -hmm. like yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised what like two words can fuck you over. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I've been told is to like pull keywords out of like the job description and put that into your resume to make it like as easy as possible for the recruiter to connect like, oh, you said specifically what we're looking for. Like you meet all those requirements, essentially. That's big. And another big thing, and this is from from being on the side of, re of reviewing resumes, mm -hmm. is I put everything in my resume is bulleted lists. Um, and I used to read resumes that were in a narrative format, like so somebody's yeah. job experience, and it's a big long paragraph about what they did at that job. And I hated reading it. I wouldn't read. I'd read the first sentence of it and move on to the next yeah. one. I would immediately not like this person. It'd be like, you really need to convince <laughs> this person this work. Yeah. But with like a bulleted list, now the recruiters are picking up. They'll do the legwork for you. They'll actually remove the, the bullets that aren't applicable. And be like, you need to add more into this one or that one because it's in their best interest to get you hired, you know, because that's their gravy train. That's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. So they'll even be like, you should take these bullets out. You should add these ones in, which is perfect because it's like I already have this formatted in a bulleted list. That's easy to do. Yeah. I don't need to write a new narrative. Hmm. Okay. I want to circle back to what you said about reaching out to old coworkers. I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to do that, to like, we equate it to like cold calling people. So what's your approach for just reaching out to people you haven't talked to in years or months? If I haven't talked to them in a long time, I don't beat around the bush. <laughs> I don't <laughs> pretend because then they're, they're like, oh. You don't ask them how their family's doing? How's the weather? Well, that's, they're going to think that like you're like selling health shakes or, or something, you know. <laughs> Like, what are they into now? But I just be like, hey, haven't talked in a while, but I'm I'm on a job hunt. Okay. They might be like, oh, well, you blew me off for three years, but I do remember well, we, I like working with you and you got your job done. And a lot of times that's like, because those work out whenever they're working somewhere that, that, that they're like, well, we have this need. There's this team next to me that they're looking for that exact person. Sure, I'll pass it along. You know, make it easy on them. Not like, you could, I guess, be like, hey, you want to catch up and have lunch and all this? But I feel like that's putting on airs. Like, catch up and have lunch afterwards. But, like, I would say d just be direct and say, hey, you 
know of any openings that that I would be good for because you text them that and they'll pick up their phone and it'll be like, yeah, send me your resume. I'll forward it along. And it's done. It's It took them 15 seconds, you know? So yeah. you're really not bothering them because like they're working at the time anyway. Okay. That's good to know. So once say you've applied for a job, you've got an offer or you're getting, you got a response. What's your interview process like? Like how do you prepare for interviews? So this is the number one thing that I think a lot of people don't get. And I've told this to a lot of people and I don't mean to get on a pedestal or anything, but for them to be interviewing you means that they already, they want to hire you. They've seen your credentials. You fit the bill. You will fit the spot. They just want to see, is your personality a fit? Are you blowing smoke up their ass? Can you actually speak and communicate, you know, the, the soft skills that you can't put on a resume, these kind of things. Yeah. But if you always remind yourself of that, that they already want me, I just, now they just want to talk to me and see if the pieces fit together. It takes all the stress off of it. It makes you a lot more candid. You can talk to them like people. You yeah. can, um, it definitely, you definitely want to like, there's always that that stress where they say like, oh, well, the candidate has to ask questions about the company and the job. And then people ask these like hand, you know, you could tell that they read it off of a website of how to do interviews. And like, you need to actually, if you don't care about it, then don't ask any questions. But like, you should be, you should be treating interview like you're interviewing them because this is going to be where you spend most of your time for the next however long. So you yeah. should be interviewing this job and this company as much as they're interviewing you. You're looking for a mutual fit. Yeah. You know that you fit their credentials on paper. You know, like, and maybe this is just the experience of being in the industry for so long, but like, I really... I'll ask questions and they'll be like, oh, well, we're really, we have like a really young infrastructure in here. We're still figuring out like how we run our projects and this and that. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that means, well, I can move in and with my experience, I can like pull things together. And that's actually what I like doing. And other times they're like, well, we're, we're really rigid. We do things this way. And there's really, there's a lot of bureaucracy to change it. So we don't change it. Working in the finance and healthcare industry is all that very rigid. I just, just, I've learned at this point, I just stay away from it if I can, because, because it's, it's so frustrating. You're just, but that's the things you find out in an interview. You say like, how do you run your projects? How do you do this? How do you do that? And they'll tell you, and you could even say like, oh, that's probably, that's not like an industry best practice. Like, why do you do it that way? And then they'll say, well, just because that's the way it's always done. And you don't, you can't change it. And they'll, you can read the frustration on their face in the interview. And that's where I've received job offers. And I respectfully declined. I just said, that's not for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to make you happy. This isn't going to make me happy. Like I'm going to be looking, I don't even give them all that. I just respectfully <laughs> decline to say it's not going to work out, but okay. that's the, the big one. I mean, people get so stressed about interviews and I get like, sometimes we are desperate, but if you can just force yourself to that mindset where it's you're, you're, you are on one equal side of the table, and you, you're interviewing each other, it, all the stress pipes away. It turns into a conversation. Yeah, no, that's a really great point because that's something I learned with this last position, with my last interview process is I want to make sure that they're a good fit because I don't want to have to search again in the next year again. And learning more about like the culture of the company, you know, how do you, you know, reward your workers for achievements? Is it competitive? 
Um, what's the work-life balance like if there isn't one or if it's a, you know, fast paced environment, I'm like, oh, so you work your workers all the damn time. Like that's mm-hmm. a red flag phrase for me now, but yeah, it's important to know that this is also an opportunity for you to interview them because yeah, like you said, you're going to spend the next however many years you want to stay there. So it should be a good fit. No, I agree. What do you, when you get an offer that you nice, politely decline, do you negotiate before offers or do you negotiate your offers at all? You mean like, like salary wise or benefits or? I mean, any offer you get. If I want it. Yeah. Okay. And I will say like, I wouldn't accept something that sounds like it's going to be miserable. I won't try to, I won't be like, well, if I can milk another 10 bucks an hour out of them, it might be worth it. Like, I've like, I've realized that that's just setting yourself up for failure. But that's where it's hard to negotiate is whenever you interview and you really like the job and you really hope you get it. And then that desperation sets in where like you're yeah. going to accept anything. And that's where you need to change your mindset and realize like, all right, you've interviewed, they want to hire you. That's where negotiation is super easy because they've already interviewed you. They really want you. In their mind, we don't have to interview anybody else. This person is going to fill the role. They're going to do a great job. And those people don't even control the money. It's the bean counters above them. Yeah. So you could be like, well, this is all fine and dandy. And I would love to take this job. But, you know, it's just like the salary is a little low or the benefit, the vacation is a little low or this or that. And they will always work with you. They'll go, you know, they'll be like, well, like, I'll, let, let us call you back in two days and see what we can do. And the worst they can do is say no. Yeah. And sometimes they will. Sometimes they say, no, this is the best we can do, you know. And then if you still like it, then that's fine. But like, I feel like you always got to, always got to try to negotiate in your favor because especially when you're working with big companies, there's always money on the table. Mm. And like I said, after they've interviewed you and give you an offer, like they think their work is done. They don't want to go back to square one. So yeah. like you were in the, the best position at that point to, you know. Yeah. That's it's funny. True. So they never, they never talk about salary in the interview. They let, they leave it till later. So like it makes it even easier because then once you're accepted, you're like, okay, I'm sorry, I just turned a Roomba on. I think, I don't know. I I really hate when salary is not discussed up front because there's been times where I've gone through the interview process and they're like, okay, well, here we would love to offer you this position. The salary is $35,000. And like, really? That's like barely more than I made as a student. So now I've wasted your time. You've wasted my time. So if it doesn't have the salary on the application, sometimes I just don't even go for it. Unless the job sounds really, really good that I'm like, okay, it's worth going through this whole process, but leaving yeah. it at the end. Yeah. I agree. You should still try to negotiate. And yeah, like you said, worst case scenario, they say no. And especially for women that were already paid less than men, definitely negotiate. Even if it's a little bit, you're still setting yourself up more to start with than they would have given you if you hadn't negotiated. Uh-huh. Well, I will say this with, if you're dealing with recruiters, because they're not the company you're going to, you can always press them for a salary range or a pay rate range and they'll give it to you because they don't want to waste their own time either. And so let's say they say like, well, this, it like the range of this is, let's say 45 to 55 an hour. So throw out everything else. Your number is 55 an hour. If the range is 45 to 55, that means that they could give you 55. <laughs> yeah. And then if they said so, so 55 right there, and then I'm going to demand either 
60 or 65 because I know that the high end of their range, there's still wiggle room from there, you know? Yeah. So for anyone who's not a contractor, what is a recruiter and how do you find one? Like Indeed and in the IT segment, dice.com is the best one. That's what I use the most. But I think in indeed.com, I'm pretty sure is like for everything. Is that technology only? No, I've definitely used Indeed. Okay, yeah. Well, so all of like the job posting sites, those are there's recruiters all over the place on those. Oh. And uh, you can't really find recruiters to reach out to them, but when you have your resumes posted up and openly available and your okay. profile stuff that you're looking, then they'll they'll contact you. Okay. So that brings me to what, Go, ahead. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so do you always have your like resume uploaded and available, ready to hire at all times, or do you take it down? No, I leave it up all the time. For hire? Does that, I don't know, does that look bad to your current employer? They don't know. I don't think they look. Okay. Or if they, maybe they, if even if they do, what are they going to do? Fire you because your resume is on a job posting site? Like, that's how they found me. So they can't really fault me for it. Yeah, I suppose so. Like, my personal fear would be, like, if I have it on LinkedIn. Like, I have a lot of my current coworkers on there. And so I feel like it would, yeah, I'd be, I'd be afraid of getting fired for having it on there. But... I don't know. And you, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe it is something that you could be reprimanded for. I wouldn't be like going, like making daily posts, like, hey, like, does anybody oh, yeah. know? I need to get the hell out of here. Does anybody have a job for me? But like, to just passively have yourself out there available, yeah. I think I don't see how you could be faulted for that. And if anything, because I feel like it puts a challenge to them of, you need to, to you. make me happy enough to, if I'm doing good work for you, you got to keep me. Yeah. So what advice do you have for anyone who's on the job hunt, whether they like their job and just want to see what else is out there or they just got fired and now they're trying to find what the next thing is? So I would, a big thing I would say is that to not get discouraged if you're being passed over or if you interview and you don't get the job, uh, because there's a lot of reasons that, they, that you could have an interview that you felt good about and not be hired that was out of your control. Like um, where like a lot of these big companies, they have to legally have to publicly post jobs and interview for them, even though they planned on promoting department. Yeah. Uh, I get that a lot and it really builds your hopes up. It's really, it's, you know, it, it's, it's really depressing, whatever, like, oh, wow. Because they, they're like, no, this is great. We can't wait to talk to you again. You know, we'll, we'll go with your people. We'll set up a bigger interview for next week. Okay, great. And then you hear three days later, oh, they hired somebody internally. It's like, well, yeah. I know how it goes. So you can't get too butthurt over it, but, you know, but, but that's the way it goes. And then if, I feel like if you're if you're putting yourself out there just not being contacted at all, then you need to start like go back a step and like how do I look at like resume um, those like resume coaching type things, or how to make yourself more desirable 
in your with your skills and your role because i see some resumes too that like i pass one around to my coworkers and we kind of laugh at them but like i can't believe somebody typed this and saved it and submitted it and thought that it was doing them any justice because like it's just just bad and it's not nothing personal but it's like this person needs some help now my problem is i'm trying to find a candidate i'm not trying to help this stranger so we just throw it a trash but like if that's the results you're getting then you know it's not you it's probably it could be many other things like the formatting of it or where you're looking for you know always take a step back and like what other places are these jobs posted or with the skills and experience I have, what other industries can I work in? Because mm -hmm. this is another thing to mention too. I I didn't say before in the very beginning that that all these different jobs I've had, they've all, almost all been in different big industries. So like while I'm working in software, the software sector, I've hit the big corporate banking for the first two jobs, and then electric and gas utility sales, and. Did that on my own for a while in entrepreneurship, tried that out. And then did physical therapy licensing. I, I'm looking at the list, but I don't even remember. <laughs> did physical therapy licensing for uh, the for the DC, for the government, for physical therapists, hmm. um, healthcare benefits administration for like your medical dental vision. And now I'm working back at a electric company. So that's in this changing a lot like that. I feel like somebody looks at my resume and they say, well, this person has experience over all these industries. Yeah. Obviously, they, they can pop in and they can learn the lay of the lands and interact with people and become productive quickly because it's not like they're wasting their time here. They they're moving up. They keep getting you know promoted and like hired for better positions. So like, apparently they're doing something right. So how did you market yourself where you went from like healthcare to like government? So some of the, those were the ones that it was in the contracting world where I was just putting myself out there as a gun okay. for hire contractor. Uh, and that was where I was marketing myself as I know how to manage and wrangle software development and testing teams to bring projects to completion, especially like problem projects. Mm -hmm. That we get, I would get thrown on these projects that like have been spinning their wheels for a year and a half, and they're like, "Well, we've already invested millions of dollars in this thing. Like, we need to see it roll through the completion. Like, what are we doing wrong here?" And I mean, I basically organized their work and kind of like manage it on a week-to-week -week basis of like setting goals, setting realistic goals, and yeah. breaking it up into chunks. And the same as like that, um, that that. Asian lady that teaches people how to organize her house to clean their rooms. Oh, Marie Kondo, yeah. Yeah, and she just like breaks it into chunks and like they're like, oh look, and then you get this done and you can celebrate it. It brings you joy. <laughs> yeah. We do that same thing on software projects. Like, look, we built the the login page and it's done and it works. And for the first time in two years, you can say that one of the pages on your website works. And they're like, wow, it's so simple. I'm like, yeah, well. You were trying to do everything at once with like 20 people and it was all chaos. So are you the Marie Kondo of like software development? I would like to think so. Okay. You do have the same hair. So that makes sense. I, I tell people <laughs> that this sparks joy <laughs> a lot. <laughs> all right. Well, any other last advice you have for people job hunting or what's the best lesson you've learned? Um, hmm, that's tricky. I think the best lesson I've learned is to figure out what you're good at 
even if it's not what you initially thought you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Because, like I thought I wanted to be a computer programmer and make video games. <laughs> uh, now I'm doing like very, I'm still involved with computers to an extent, but very far from what I set out to do. And I find that I'm good at this because I like working with the people more than I like working with the computers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I just kind of, kind of, I realized I was good at it and I ran with it and, you know, kind of all worked out. I just remembered one last question. I promise. Last question. No, that's fine. I've always heard like, find the job that, you know, is your dream job that brings you so much joy, like gives you all this fulfillment. Do you feel like that's true that you have to get the job that you like would die for and, you know, it's, you live for it? Or is it okay to have a job that like it pays the bills, but when I'm done, I'm done and I go enjoy life instead? I mean, that's anecdotal because I don't want to tell anybody not to follow their dreams. But I will say yeah, that I, have, I haven't lived that. Um, and especially because I realized that working in contractor rules pays more than being loyal to any one company. So mm-hmm. I would jump job to job and I'd be thrown on the problem projects that are a bigger pain in the ass or bigger headaches. They're interesting experiences and you get to meet a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of perks, but there's also like stress and it's not, I don't think any six-year-old is like saying, <laughs> I, I, I want to be a business analyst at a public utility company when I grow up. It's not like the world's most exciting. It's not like. It's not Indiana Jones, I guess. Yeah. But I will say that it's something that it's, it's tolerable. Um, I don't hate it. I like the people I work with. Okay. I can, I can turn it off at the end of the day and live my life. And I can afford to not stress over, you know, keeping the lights on. Yeah. So it's all about figuring out what you're willing to put up with, where where your line is essentially of how much do I need this to be very fulfilling and how much do I need it to just be paying the bills? Yeah. And I think sometimes of like, if I found that perfect job that brings me pure happiness, but I would have to take like, cut my salary in half. So like not yeah. be able to afford vacations and how, whatever, you know, I don't think I would do it. Hmm. But I struggle with that because at the same time, it's like, you do spend a lot of your time at this thing. You know, yeah. there's some people like, uh, like Bob Barker from the price is right. He would always be like, what? I never felt like never. He's, he always said it, that he never felt like he worked a day in his life. And he feels so bad for people that go through the grind. Yeah. And he's very humble about it. You know, he wasn't grandstanding, but he just legitimately said, like, I feel for the people that come on a show that I can see how happy they are because they don't, you know, they could take a vacation. They don't get vacations. And, you know, he would have that funny perspective on it. So I, I admire the people that, that, that where they don't feel like they're working because they love it so much. And I don't know. At the same time, I don't know what job that would even be because I feel like anything would turn into a job after a while for me. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's important to, we'll end this on a happy note, that it, it's okay to change jobs. Even if you busted your ass off to get a degree in this one field, if you find that you actually don't like that field, you're allowed to not use that and to find something else. Like no one's gonna, it's not illegal to change careers. So uh-huh. If you're in that position, if you're currently looking for a job, 
like Nick said, hopefully you get inspired by Nick and use some of his tools to hopefully land you a new job. So Nick, thank you for joining us and for sharing all of your wisdom on job hunting. No problem. It was fun. If this episode was helpful, please share it with your mom, your friend, your neighbor, everyone. Help me spread this word as far as possible because we can all use a friend that gets us and that's there for us. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next episode.